0: Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo quick pass, caught by
2: Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is gonna go. Touchdown.
3: What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Candlestick Chronicles, the 49ers podcast. On the Blue Wire Network, my name is Chris Biederman. I still cover the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. With me as always, Kyle Madsen of NinersWire.com and 95.7 The Game in the Bay Area. Kyle, what's up?
2: Oh, hanging out, trying to get as much done as humanly possible in a world where it's nigh impossible to get things done outside the house.
3: Yeah, still in quarantine, going on uh, going on close to a month now for me. Yep. I think. Um, sort of losing track of, of the days, getting pretty tired of the inside of my house, but, um, honestly, like it's rough, but it's good knowing that we're trying to stay safe and, uh, not contribute to the spread of the COVID-19 during this pandemic and all that. So fortunately we are in a pretty busy time of the year. Like you mentioned, Kyle, with the NFL draft coming up, uh, we're inside of what, two weeks, inside of three weeks almost inside okay, of three days. weeks yeah yeah inside of three weeks until the draft out. um so we are going to talk a little bit about that but one thing that we have to mention the nfl announced that the draft is going to be virtual um which if if teams around the league have the same internet issues that you and i have had trying to record this podcast in recent Yikes. weeks it could be really <laughs> problematic um And, you know, I don't know what the deal is. I I think, uh, I don't know if my internet provider has uh, been struggling with the bandwidth around here. I live in a residential area, obviously, and since so many people are home, maybe um, that's sort of choking the speeds that we got. But I'm wondering if that's going to happen with NFL teams with various power brokers and decision makers around the country really working out of their offices or their basement in some cases. I know uh, John Harbaugh, the coach of the Ravens, went on tv today i think i saw this on nfl live on espn when he said like he's hitting up his it people because he's worried about information getting hacked um by having this draft at you know having it uh virtual and everybody being online and and doing it i would assume by you know via video conference like zoom or something else um you have any thoughts on on how this sort of virtual draft could impact things if at all
2: yeah, I, I, I don't really, I don't really, know like what. I'm sure the league has contingency plans in place in the event that somebody's internet craps out on them, right? Like they used to have drafts without internet, like before they were all televised. Like I would
3: imagine phones still work.
2: Yeah, I think I think that that's a thing. So <laughs> the telephone. I'm, I I have no. I have no reservations about it, just in terms of of how the draft is going to operate, because I think that the league wouldn't do it this way if they didn't have plans A through Z all squared away. Right. I'm fascinated by how it looks on TV.
3: Yeah, like if Roger Goodell is in his living room announcing picks, that would be... I mean, that would be great television, no matter how you feel about Goodell, like just just the fact that he would be like in his home somewhere um, in a suit, in a suit, announcing picks. And then you're going to get all sorts of different uh, different looks at like guys in their houses with their families. It could be that like some prospect is getting drafted and they have a camera on him and it's like just him and his dog, uh, which (laughs) which would be funny. It'll be interesting to see how all that um, is set up. I do wonder if, if it's going to be more difficult to trade because a war room during a typical draft can be a very hectic place where there can be like 20 or 30 people in there at once. And I know the 49ers have a bunch of scouts in there. Um, obviously all the, the heads of the personnel department, um, coaches ownership, everybody's in there. And then somebody like Parag Marate Has a bunch of different phone calls going at once trying to wheel and deal trades. And, um, you know, somebody's on the phone with somebody in the league as they're making picks. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all works out. And I do wonder if there's going to be fewer trades made during the draft or at least negotiated during the draft. It could be something where there are going to be a lot of trades that are sort of agreed upon beforehand. Uh, which happened with the 49ers and the Bears in 2017 when they moved back one spot uh, and still snagged Solomon Thomas while the the Bears got Mitch Trubisky. But um, that was something that was agreed to leading up to the draft. And a number of trades typically are, but there are some trades that happen sort of in the spur of the moment. And you wonder if there are going to be fewer of those. So I'm curious to see what it's going to look like. And it could be pretty problematic for the 49ers given that they only have those first two first round picks and then don't pick again aren't slated to pick again until rounds two or sorry they don't have picks rounds two three and four and won't pick again until round five as things are currently constructed which means this is probably a scenario for them where they have to execute multiple trades to get all the draft picks that they would need presumably to continue uh you know, replenishing the roster in the middle rounds where they've had a bunch of success in, in these recent years since Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch sort of took the took the reins in 2017. So that's interesting. There's not a whole lot going on otherwise. Um, I've I've remember that CD lamb take that I've been marinating on that that we've talked a little bit about, um, that I've alluded to. I, I think I'm good. I, I'm I'm comfortable enough with my CD lamb take that I'm that I'm ready to to spew it to the masses. Um, or whoever listens to this podcast, and I have cool. a mailbag coming out for the SACB on Wednesday, uh, where somebody just asked me straight up, like Jerry Judy or C.D. Lamb, and so um, I wrote down my thoughts there. But I think I'm going to talk about it, uh, talk about it here in this episode. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to keep this brief. We're gonna have four more episodes of this podcast before the draft starts, um, April 23rd. But do you have uh, do you have any any thoughts on? CeeDee Lamb versus Jerry Judy before I get going on on my take. My white hot smoking take. I think Jerry Judy is pretty,
2: pretty widely the best receiver in this draft. Just in terms of like, I think I I, I don't want to take away from what CeeDee Lamb did at Oklahoma because he was really good. and, And every week there was if you if you flipped on an Oklahoma game for even 10 minutes, you'd get probably an incredible play or two from, from lamb. But just when you watch the two of them back and you start watching it, uh, in the scope of, of the NFL, I still think, I, I I think lamb is still a really good prospect, but I just think Judy is, is kind of, uh, leaps and bounds ahead of him in terms of what he brings to an NFL offense.
3: Yeah. So I know a lot of people and a lot of very smart nfl people who i respect and uh, a lot of content people who i respect who think cd lamb is the best player in this draft and i'm not i don't know who's going to be a better pro because there are a lot of different variables that are involved with that where they land who's their quarterback what scheme they're running who's coaching um injuries all of that kind of stuff impacts how pro- prolific or productive a, a career you have once you get drafted in the nfl but i think um, after spending some time watching and reading and studying and looking at Kyle Shanahan's history when it comes to the receiver position, I think it's really obvious that Jerry Judy is a much better fit for the 49ers than CeeDee Lamb. And I think it starts with their running um, and the ability to separate. Not that Lamb can't do that, but Gil Brandt, um, a longtime scout and, and talent evaluator, who's worked in front offices and now with the media, he was uh, quoted by Peter King in football morning in, in America this week. Um, and he compared CD lamb to Des Bryant, which really stuck to me, stuck with me because I, that's like, I think lamb is the type of player who's physical at the catch point, not maybe an elusive route runner, maybe good enough, but I think a, a lot about, I, th- I think the Des Bryant thing is really, really fitting. And he's somebody who's physical, who's good with the ball in his hands after the catch, a lot like Lamb. And I remember when Des Bryant was, you know, sort of available, I guess, what, 2017? Um, when he was on the outs with the Cowboys, I think that's the year it was. And Niner fans would, you know, ask me in all my mailbags and all that, like, Niners should get Des Bryant, they need a red zone target, they're bad in the red zone, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Starting to like.
3: Go ahead. I said, that tracks. so like to and and asking you know talking to different players about what sort of skills are needed to run Kyle's offense um Des Bryant was never a fit and I know Lamb is not the same athlete as Bryant and I'm sure Kyle Shanahan is smart enough to figure out ways to make it work but like I said in the last podcast when we were talking with Eric Crocker who gave a, a a bunch of really uh, brilliant breakdowns of, of receivers, both on our pod, and he's been doing it on Twitter. Um, but I, I see sort of the addition of Lamb as sim- too similar to what Debo Samuel already brings. And you don't have, with Lamb and Samuel on the field at once, you don't have really a deep element to stretch defenses and, and create space underneath and maybe create space for the running game. Whereas Judy, you know, you talk to people, um, talent, talent evaluator, avail, easy for me to say. Talent evaluators in the league breeze. have, you know, they they believe that Judy is maybe the best route runner since Odell Beckham Jr. or Chad Johnson. Um, and to me, you just look at the type of receiver that excels in the league right now. I know, you know, somebody like Chris Sims said uh, when you're looking at first round receivers, you're really valuing traits. Well, going through the most, uh, productive pass catchers from last season, particularly at receiver. It's like, these dudes aren't like, you know, sparked up. They're not, they're not like total traits guys. They're, they're route runners. Like Michael Thomas was a second round pick because he's not very fast. Um, and he had 1700 yards last year and has been one of the best, uh, one of the best players in the league. Like half of the guys, half of the top 11, uh, most productive receivers last year ran faster than the four or five.
2: It's also it's also important to note here when looking at 40 times, you can shave time off your 40 just by like getting a better start.
3: Right. So yeah, they're, they're definitely I, it, the
2: not 40 everything. is not the be all and end all of, of speed, which I think is an important thing here because so many people go, oh, he's not as fast as I thought. Look at this 40 time. Like maybe he just sucks at running 40s.
3: Right. Keep going. And and during the combine, I, I I looked it up and tweeted it out. Like here are the top top eleven uh, most productive receivers in terms of yardage, and they're forty times before the draft. You have Michael Thomas, second round pick. He dropped because he wasn't an elite elite traits guy. Well, now he's the best receiver in the league. Uh, he ran a four five seven. Julio Jones is probably the biggest freak in the league at the position, and maybe the biggest freak since Calvin Johnson. Uh, He ran a 4-3-4, so he's an outlier. Chris Godwin, 4-4-2, fast, but also a third-round pick. Really good route runner. Devontae Parker was a first-round pick who was largely viewed as a bust in his first few seasons. He ran a 4-4-5. Keenan Allen, who's one of the best route runners in the league and an absolute technician for the Chargers, he ran a 4-7-1 before getting drafted in the third round. Kenny Galladay of the Lions, 4-5-0. Amari Cooper, another top ten pick, obviously four four two. DJ Moore, first round pick, four four two. Jarvis Landry, four five eight. DeAndre Hopkins, like Michael Thomas, four five seven. And your guy, Cooper Cup. Uh, Love four, Cooper Cup, four six two. So those were the top receivers in terms of like production. And so it's funny to me to see somebody like Chris Sims say, "Well, you know, I in the first round I look for traits." and speed being being one of them and then saying you know jerry judy doesn't have those traits well judy ran a 445 so he's well within the range it's not like he's slow um he is an elite route runner like you watch him break guys off it is very clear that he has special abilities in, in terms of that part of his game and then you know people look at the idea well oh he didn't run a three cone so maybe he's not uh a fit for kyle shanahan who you know if you look at his history of the 10 receivers he's drafted since becoming a coordinator in 2008, all those guys are around seven seconds or faster when it comes to the three cone. And for whatever reason, Judy didn't run a three cone. Um, and he was really slow in the 20 yard shuttle, which I, I admittedly need to go back and and try to find video of that 20 yard shuttle because I'm assuming something happened because if you're as elite, uh, you know, you have elite quickness and and somebody who can change direction, which I think Judy does when you watch him play uh, for him to run in like the fifth percentile and the 20 yard shuttle makes me think it's an outlier and and something happened like he slipped or he was, you know, dealing with an injury or didn't run full speed or whatever. Um, but ultimately I'm not even worried about that. And I think Jerry Judy is sort of the perfect route runner, somebody who can threaten all three levels of the field which is what the 49ers asked of Emmanuel Sanders last year, whereas CeeDee Lamb is somebody who you sort of have to get creative with in in ways that replicate what Debo Samuel already is for the offense. So if you're looking for somebody to stretch the field and be sort of that go-to downfield passing threat, I definitely think it's Jerry Judy within the scope of Kyle Shanahan's offense, whereas CeeDee Lamb might go somewhere... Uh, with, with an offensive staff caring less about route running and and more about physicality and giving that offense what Des Bryant did for the Cowboys um, back when he was playing. And I would even go as far as saying, and I, I think I've said this before too, but like I think Henry Ruggs would be a better fit, a much better fit than CeeDee Lamb, particularly with the personnel the 49ers already have on offense. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if CeeDee Lamb were on the board even with as how badly the 49ers need a receiver, this is a deep class. They can address a position elsewhere. Like if Lamb's on the board and, and Judy and or Ruggs are off the board at 13, it wouldn't surprise me at all if the 49ers just completely went a different direction in terms of position, whether it be you know offensive tackle, d- defensive tackle with Javon Kinlaw or Derek Brown. Um, so just in my opinion, going, th- going through it all, I just don't see CeeDee Lamb as as the natural fit for what Kyle Shanahan wants to do. And I think that's evident in just watching them play. And it's evident in, in looking at the type of players that Kyle Shanahan has drafted since becoming a coordinator in the league in 2008. And we can go through that list. Um, I made it, I actually made it and, and updated it today, but I made it a few years ago. Cause I did a, a piece for the athletic looking at, um, you know, Shanahan's history and, and the type of players he drafts like, he doesn't draft big bodied guys. Like the only big bodied receiver Shanahan has drafted has been Jalen Hurd and Hurd is probably going to move to tight end at some point, if, and when he gets back into the mix. And so I don't even know if he counts, you know, (laughs) in terms of like, yeah. And, uh, and, and there were reports, you know, the NFL network reported, and, and I don't know how accurate this is because sometimes numbers from pro days, um, can be can be juiced a little bit, uh, because it's you know the that program juicing the books, trying to make their uh, trying to make their prospect look better. But Jalen Hurd ran a six point six in the three cone, and had a forty inch vertical at whatever 6'4", 220 pounds. Um, so those are elite elite traits, uh, which is more indicative of what Shanahan is looking for, as opposed to you know somebody like Lamb who you know, might thrive in the right scheme and might end up being a better pro. But I just don't see Shanahan altering his offense and replacing somebody who was a really good route runner and downfield threat like Emmanuel Sanders with a big bodied guy who you have to be um, a little bit more conservative with in terms of how you use them in the passing game, if all of that makes sense. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think there's nothing left to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, BetOnline, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline has live, daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online for your quarantine needs. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution.
2: Yeah, and I think a lot of that. I I agree with it for the most part. I think I like Lamb a little bit more than than you do. And if the Niners take him, I I think, I think it would be fine. I I think that their receiving core will will be good enough to to make another deep playoff run. But I also think because of the depth of the receiver and the the receivers in this class, and all the things that that you just mentioned about Lamb and his fit and his skill set. If he's, if if let's say Jerry Judy and, and Henry Ruggs go 11 and 12 and the Niners are on the board at 13, I could see them either trading back or trying to trade back a couple of spots or uh, just going a, a completely different route entirely rather than just trying to force a receiver at that 13 spot. Maybe they go with Javon Kinlaw out of, out of South Carolina or or they take a cornerback or just go with the best player available and figure it out later and then take a receiver a little bit later on that that's what's going to be interesting to me is what happens if rugs and judy are both off the board and maybe maybe the Niners see something with lamb that 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 we've missed here and they they sprint to the podium and they're and they're psyched to have him but I imagine that if he's the the top receiver on the board at thirteen, they they don't go with that position at that spot and try and get better value later on.
3: Yeah, let's let's just like look at, you know, Kyle Shanahan's drafted what one, two, he's drafted five receivers mm-hmm. um since coming to the 49ers. Trent Taylor, Dante Pettis, Richie James, Debo Samuel, and Jalen Hurd. Um Pettis never ran a recorded three cone, so we don't really know what that time would have been. But uh Trent Taylor, obviously really good at changing directions, Six seven four three three cone. Richie James, a 687 3 cone, Debo Samuel, a 7.03 3 cone, and like I said, Jalen Hurd, a, a 6.6. Reportedly, a 6.6. It's 6'4, six, 220 pounds. It's wild. Um and you know, like going back, you look at um you know Leonard Hankerson is uh, aside from Hurd is probably the biggest guy Shanahan drafted and that was with Washington in 2011 62 209 pounds, 443 guy Aldrick Robinson 5'10 184 Justin Hardy five ten, one ninety two. um Devin Fuller 6 foot 194 439 guy like nothing that shanahan has done in terms of the receivers he's added would indicate that cd lamb is the type of guy that he likes and that's not to say that he won't shanahan has said before like you can separate a bunch of different ways it's not all about speed and route running um, and precision cutting and all of those things you can create separation by being able to jump over everybody uh, and maybe that's what cd lamb can do Um, And, you know, we talk about that contested catch ability and and, and what he could do there. I just think in terms of the likelihood of 49ers decisions that they go like fit is extremely important. Um, One of the reasons why Debo Samuel was so good was because he was such an ideal fit. And it was apparent at the senior bowl when you saw Samuel run some of those one on one drills against cornerbacks, just his ability to create like five yards of separation from guys just with his route running, and, and that was apparent near the red zone, and then you watch him play more and more, and you see, wow, he's really crazy with the ball in his hands. And then you see him actually running Shanahan's offense. Not only can he separate on the short and intermediate routes, but he can also just be a devastating runner with the ball in his hands if it's schemed up properly, which Shanahan became really good at. Um, so I just don't know. To me, I mean... I just don't see the fit there. So that's just my opinion. And, you know, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, but I think I have a pretty decent grasp on what Shanahan likes and, and what he values in the position. And to me, the two guys that really stand out in terms of fit for his offense at 13 are Judy and rugs and not lamb. I think lamb is, is, is just, you know, I don't want to say like it's trying to fit a, a square peg in a, in a round hole or anything, but, I just don't see I just don't see it as being a natural fit and I think at this point with your championship window wide open with no off-season program uh you want to find the the most seamless fit possible and uh and so that to me is why I think it's it's Judy or Rugs instead of Lamb.
2: Now what I the other the other thing that I'm intrigued by is when you talk about Lamb and him offering a lot of the same skill set that Debo Samuel does, I think that's also true for a guy like Jalen Rigor or Brandon Ayuk from ASU, Rigor goes to or went to TCU, LaVisca Chenault from Colorado. I think there's a lot of guys just kind of in that in that Debo Samuel vein. Uh, Rieger's the only one who did a lot of the same stuff that Samuel did in, in college, just in terms of, of running and pass catching. But I think a lot of those guys just all have those similar skill sets. So this, this receiver class is deep, but I think, uh, like you're kind of alluding to here, I think there's probably like two or three guys, maybe Justin Jefferson from, from LSU, is a, is another guy who kind of fits that that Niners mold.
3: Yeah, but, I totally agree. Uh
2: I just I I wonder when we, you know we talk about the depth of the receiving class, now I'm kind of second guessing that on the fly here and wondering if you know it's a deep class but with what the Niners need specifically, it might only be
3: like two or three guys deep. Right. Right. And that that's what I think people you know, don't really take into account when you say, Oh, this team needs a corner. Just take the best corner available. Well, if you're not putting that player in a position to maximize his strengths right, and do what he's good at, then ultimately you're wasting a pick.
2: Something the Niners have been very good at over the last couple of years.
3: Yeah. Shanahan has a very clear idea of what he's looking for. And so conveying that to the coaching staff and the personnel department has been, um, you know, their ability to do that successfully has been one of the key reasons why they've rebuilt this roster from a two and 14 team to a team that went to yeah. the Super Bowl last year. Um, one more point, And, you know, I guess this applies to lamb, but also a bunch of other guys in the class, like Denzel Mims and, and Jalen Rager, like you mentioned, you go through the top receivers from the NFL last year. Uh, and this is just top pass catchers. So this includes tight ends. Um, You have to go 22 players deep, 22 pass catchers deep, before you get to a player that played in the Big 12. Uh, And that player is Tyler Lockett, who had uh, 1,057 yards and eight touchdowns last year. So obviously Lockett's a really good player. Yeah. But the reason why I looked this up was because just watching CeeDee Lamb, it's like, everything he did seemed very easy. And a lot of that was because of Lincoln Riley's scheme and his ability to find open space for his guys, which isn't a fault of CD lambs, but there wasn't much press coverage. There wasn't a whole lot of man to man. He didn't have to beat physical corners um, like he will in the NFL. And so you just look at his production. Like a lot of it is him just like running straight downfield, like through open spaces making a relatively easy catch and and running through a bunch of really poor tacklers. And so, you know, it's not that I don't think any big 12 receiver can be elite in the league. Um, Obviously there have been some, but I, I, yeah, I, I just think it's, it's interesting that you have to go all the way down 22 players deep to find Tyler Lockett, to, to find the leading pass catcher in the league last year uh, from a big 12 school so you know I don't know that that necessarily means Rager isn't going to be good or Denzel Mims isn't going to be good or Lamb's not going to be good I just think that you know you, you hear Kyle Shanahan talk about evaluating receiver prospects and the fact that it's difficult because so many of these guys don't face anything like an NFL defense in college um, because it's all spread out it's all zone-based stuff a lot of the reads from quarterbacks are predetermined. Um, there isn't a whole lot of nuance. It's not like there's a ton of option routes where you have to evaluate the coverage post snap and then, based on what you see, break the right direction inside or outside based on you know where which which side the linebacker's leveraging and hopefully the quarterback sees the same thing so you're on the same page and you can execute that route. Like there's a lot. There's a very very steep transition from. The, from going against those type of defenses as a receiver to jumping into the NFL. And right. I think the fact that you have to go 22 pass catchers deep to find the leading the leading pass catcher from a Big 12 school gives me a little bit of pause. It's like, I, I don't think there's a direct correlation necessarily in terms of, you know, sort of struggling or whatever from um, from the Big 12 to NFL defenses. But I think there's like... I mean, I think there's definitely something to it. Sure, because you look at it, it's like Michael Thomas, Big Ten; Julio Jones, SEC; Chris Godwin, Big Big Ten; um, you know, Devonte Parker, ACC; Keenan Allen, Pac-12; Kenny Galladay, I think went to Eastern Illinois or something like that; uh, Amari Cooper, SEC; DJ Moore, ACC, or actually Big Twelve, Big Big Ten. Sorry, Jarvis Landry, SEC; DeAndre Hopkins, ACC um you know mike evans Kenny Holiday ACC, went to
2: northern illinois and also northern, northern illinois.
3: illinois my mistake um anyway there's uh there just aren't many productive players from uh from big 12 schools so i think that's interesting and some something that we do need to consider although a lot of big 12 offenses now a lot of those concepts are being adapted into the league and you know particularly with the chiefs right like they do yeah. a lot of big 12 stuff and and that's a credit to andy reed because he's patrick mahomes and all that but um yeah that's sort of my that's that's where i stand and maybe cd lamb is going to come in and be a complete monster and right. uh i'll be on record looking like a dumbass which has happened before plenty of times but what? uh that's just uh <laughs> yeah. it's my take it's my take and i'm sticking to it i wonder at what
2: point the niners like you look at what the chiefs do and i know that their offenses aren't identical so it's not a it's not a one-for-one kind of match here but I wonder at some point if the 49ers just start going kind of the route of of the Chiefs and just going, uh, we're going to get as many really good athletes as possible and then figure out how to get them the ball in space. Yeah, It's what they do with Michael Hardman. It's what they do with Tyreek Hill. And having athletes like that just completely warps what a defense would, would normally do. Um, I, I I don't know. I I just maybe they maybe they look at Lamb and and see a guy who just uh is gonna is gonna go make plays with with the space provided to him. I, I I'm I'm not super optimistic that that's that that's gonna be the case and how they're gonna view it. But if if they do wind up selecting him, I think that'll be the kind of talking point. Is is he's great in space and there's not a lot of better coaches doing it, uh, designing space. There's not a lot of better coaches scheming open space than, than Shanahan right now.
3: Yeah. It would, ju- it would be interesting to see how he would do it yeah. because like the way Shanahan talked about Emmanuel Sanders was like, he is the perfect guy. Um, and Sanders sure. is nothing like CD lamb as a, as a receiver. So there, right. there would have to be an adjustment there. Um, which would be interesting but it's not to say Shanahan can't do it there have been subtle evolutions of his offense uh in all three seasons since uh you know since taking the job so it yeah. could change they could just have drastically different plans and um and you know adjust on the fly in, in what's going to be a very funky off season. so any other uh quarantine oh here you're, you're not as quarantined as as i am any other any other just life thoughts content thoughts internet thoughts i'm weirdly like like
2: normal for the most part right now i'm still going to work (laughs) um just kind of i don't know my my life at home is obviously different just in terms of being able to you know go out to dinner or go to the grocery store normally but yeah i don't i don't
3: Really have a lot. Just you kind have of try to get through it. Do you have like a a fancy mask, a stylish mask?
2: No, I just have an R ninety five. Okay, <laughs> just like one of the painter's masks. Nice. Yeah, uh, I do too. Yeah, I just um, no, just I'm I'm less optimistic today. I've I've decided to do away with optimism in terms of when this is all gonna end. I <laughs> I was for a while just kind of riding the train. I never thought that like Easter uh was was realistic really at any point no you weren't buying that no uh surprisingly <laughs> um but i i never thought that that was going to be the case but i was going okay you know maybe maybe june one we'll have we'll have sports back to normal it's like nah june june I, i'm i'm done with that idea and i i just like i said i'm not like negative about it but I just don't think it's realistic to sit there and try and go like baseball. MLB proposed having a having a season start in May with all these weird quirks and all the games are in Arizona and they play double and triple headers and all that. I just don't think that that's realistic. And my my optimism that we're going to get football on any kind of normal schedule is has gone completely out the window.
3: Yeah, the the thing is, um, until there's wide range testing then it's going to be impossible to open things up and, and have it be as it was. And and that's not even, I'm not even talking about like public gatherings. I'm talking about getting players back in the building and, and starting to do football things like, you know, have meetings and have, you know, 90 guys in one room um, and then get getting out on the practice field. And, and obviously, you know, tests are needed for, for people who are dealing with, uh, with with severe symptoms and and who are having actual health issues um, and until there's a wide range a, a, a wide array of, of tests that we can give people um to where it's not detrimental to people needing those tests and needing treatment uh it, it would seem like it's impossible and now look we're recording this what the second week of August and April April wow yeah and I'm <laughs> Uh, Training camp starts in in late July or or early August in a typical season like it wouldn't surprise me at all if the league just said, hey, we're going to have a 12 game season. We're going to start in October and we're going to we're going to start training camp at the end of August and and use September as our training camp month, because maybe then we will have uh, we will have the ability to test all of the players frequently to avoid you know, somebody bringing, uh, COVID-19 into the locker room or something like that. And obviously that would be, that would be the worst case scenario, but I, I, I don't, you know, I don't love the idea of speculating about it because I, I don't know enough. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm just like you in that I'm leery of, of everything starting on time. I, I don't think we're going to end up getting, uh, basketball season back this year. I think they're probably just going to punt on it and, and start like they normally would in, in October, um obviously the same for for the nhl most likely um and then you know baseball i have no idea but it sounds like to me i think july might might be the earliest in terms of you know having baseball like we normally would and then at that point we're talking about a three-month regular season for baseball i mean this is all very crazy and we'll have plenty of time to talk about that but uh the important thing is is that everybody's safe um everybody's healthy, everybody stays inside. Uh and staying at home is working. Staying at home is working. That's a very good point. I'm glad you said that because um Santa Clara, Santa Clara County where I live, when this thing first broke out, uh we had a spike in numbers and and we were among the, you know, the most had the most cases in the state and and um I think per capita in the country because so many people travel and and there's so many, you know, big tech companies where so many people are congregated together. But um, since the Bay Area has taken this this uh, shelter in place thing really seriously, um, their numbers are going down and they are uh, flattening the curve a little bit. So that's really good to hear. Huh. That's really promising. Hey, Unfortunately, it's not that way throughout the entire country. Right. Um. But you know, I, I'm happy everybody is doing what they can to to help this situation and. And look, this, you know, the the more we stay inside, the more, the quicker we can get sports back.
2: Right. And Um, also, if if just just this is a little sidebar here, if you are a person who looks at California's curve starting to flatten a little bit, uh, we don't have enough kind of data to really say that it is, but it looks like it's trending that direction where it's going to start to flatten consistently here. Uh if all the numbers fall short of the models that were put out at the start of all this, it's not that the models were wrong. It's that social distancing worked. Um, and I've, I've seen that already in response to, um, like California didn't have a, didn't have a double digit increase in cases. Uh, and I just saw a bunch of like responses, like, see, this is all a big joke. Like, no, it, it wasn't, <laughs> Uh, it's just that it got taken seriously and the attempts to to stop the the spread or slow down the spread I should say are are working properly
3: yeah and that's uh that's really really important so um in uh in other news somewhat somewhat related news i know i told you this but i haven't i haven't said it on the pod but i've i've started watching friday night lights mm which is a, a show about football, um, and it's really good. I'm really enjoying it. I haven't watched it before, and uh, and I'm I'm usually not like a TV drama person, like a network TV drama person. Usually, that that stuff is pretty bad. But Friday Night Lights, really good show. Um, I realized that I I was missing something without having Friday Night Lights, Minka Kelly in my life. Um, mm. which I'm not going to expound upon any more than that. But me um, neither. Yeah, that's my that's my content update. That's what I'm doing at the moment when I'm not grinding tape and and coming up with uh, with anti Big 12 football takes.
2: I got into The Good Place.
3: OK, I think
2: I need to put that on my list, too. Dude, dude it's so, it's like 22 minute episodes. If you've not watched The Good Place, the it's a loaded cast. Uh, super funny show. Uh, Kristen Bell's in it. Uh, Ted Danson's in it. Really, really strong
3: show. Super funny i enjoyed it good to hear um i've also been doing classic movies though not so much lately Mm. um that's helped like i feel like if there's a benefit to this it's i'm able to consume a bunch of content that i should sort of have in my repertoire you know repertoire
2: oh my god repertoire oh my god i hate you so much i didn't know you were a (laughs)
3: repertoire guy i'm rethinking this entire podcast uh yeah um (laughs) yeah so it gives us an opportunity to to go back through the arts and and now i know some of the movie references that people make which is good i'm not just a football guy i love that right um all right well we're gonna wrap this up and uh we will talk to you guys later in the week hopefully with something more of a uh, have more of a legitimate format (laughs) Um, not counting on it than, than what we did this week but times are a little bit tough right now but uh we appreciate everybody listening. Subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts on the Blue Wire Network, and we'll talk to you guys later.
4: It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust.